Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Need to stay standing. <laughs> Take a seat. This will be uh, probably the last time that I get to preach. So uh, let's just see what God's going to do, eh? Over the past few weeks, Pastor Ross has been preaching about the gifts of the Holy Spirit as we, uh, as we find them in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And the context of 1 Corinthians 12, it happens in the middle of about uh, four or five uh, chapters where, where Paul's correcting some of, the, some of the things that the church is, is really doing not quite well. And, uh, and so he gives some instruction about uh, what they need to be doing and, and, and the use of the gifts is, is one of those things he brings correction to. So what we're going to do is, uh, rather than sort of focus in on, on that, we're going to take a step back and have a look at a bit more of a, a slightly different context, a bit of a, a wider view uh, this time. And we're going to be looking to seeing how we live in the Spirit because it's as we live through the Spirit we live a life of the Spirit. It's out of that life that the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow. So we're going to have a look at that. And the title of the, uh, the message today is Learning How to Dance. Learning how to dance. Dance if you're a Queenslander. But for me, it's dance. So you can uh, just change it to dance if you need to. It'll translate better for you. But uh, for the rest of you who speak English, it's dance. I can do that. This is my last time. <laughs> so we're going to have a look at uh, we're going to have a look at uh, at learning how to dance with the Holy Spirit. In uh, in Galatians, Paul talks to the church there and begins to instruct them about what does it look like to live this life, this new life, according to the Spirit. And uh, and he says in in chapter five and verse twenty five. If we live by the Spirit, and he's given all the explanation to show why we live by the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep step with the Spirit. So he's saying that as Christians, you know, we receive the Holy Spirit inside of us. And the Holy Spirit is, is, is the Spirit of God. It's the power of God. He comes and lives inside of us by his presence. And as he leads us, not as he follows us, as he leads us, when... He's saying, keep step with the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit moves forward, we move forward. When the Holy Spirit stops, we stop. When the Holy Spirit turns around, we turn around. So if we live by the Spirit, and we do, keep step with the Holy Spirit. Don't get out of step. Now, how many, uh, how many people here can remember when they were very, very young? Some people have good memories. Uh, how many people can remember when they're very, very young? Uh, dancing on your dad's feet. Yeah? My kids did that. I did that when I was a kid. Uh, so, uh, so my youngest is now eight. She still likes doing that. Uh, although her, it's getting a bit crowded now on my feet because hers are a bit bigger than what they used to be. But, uh, you know, we, we used to climb up onto our dad's feet, didn't we? And dad used to start sort of, you know, sort of dancing around, you know, like this. And it was thrilling. As a kid, you know, it was, just, it was just the greatest thing to be able to, to, to walk on dad's feet, you know, and, and just, it just felt really weird, you know, that somebody else is actually moving me around, and, and it was just great fun. 
really fun. You know, uh, as a kid, it wasn't so much dancing. We used to play monsters instead. But anyway, that doesn't quite fit the illustration. So, uh, so learning to dance. Um, you know, and it's like that with the Holy Spirit. It's like learning how to dance, learning to be led by the Spirit. And when you think about it, the way we would dance on our dad's feet is probably the first time that we ever learned how to dance with a partner. And I'm not talking about the kind of dancing that, you know, you know like we do today, you know, as we all solo dancing, you know, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's not that kind of dance that the Holy Spirit's leading us in. Reminds me of a Korean guy, now, and he was explaining how they dance in Korea. And they wave their arms like this. And in his Korean, he said, we no, not dance like this. We no wiggle our bum. We, we, we dance like that. It's not like, that's not the kind of dance that, uh, that we're talking about. It's more like the kind of dance where ballroom dancing, where you have one of the partners as a leader. And, and as the second, you follow the lead of the lead dancer. And you, it's, you begin to... Uh, as you learn to dance, you learn some of the steps and moves, but you stay in close contact with the leader of the dance so that they lead you in the spins and the twirls and the moves. And that's what it's like as we learn to dance with the Holy Spirit. To live a Spirit-led life is learning how to dance with the Holy Spirit. You know... It, Learning to dance with the Holy Spirit, learning to live a Spirit-led life, is more than learning to hear the Holy Spirit speak. It's a really important part of how we, we learn to live this life of the Spirit, but it's more than listening to Him speak. You know, when we're in a dance with a partner, we don't have a constant barrage of verbiage with the, the lead telling us where we need to stick our foot next and how many beats and steps one, two, three, and all the rest of it now spin. We don't get that. What you get is you feel the dance. You feel the music. You feel what the partner is doing. And you begin, as you learn how to dance better and learn how to dance more in sync with your partner, that you begin to pick up on all the subtle gestures and the subtle movements. And over time, you begin to know just what to do because you've done it that many times. It says in the Word that God leads his people by his eye. So it's not that he even says anything. He can just sort of look somewhere and you go, I know what he's doing. Let's go and do it. So it's that kind of subtlety, that kind of nuancedness that we find in this dance with the Holy Spirit that he's drawing us into and wanting to teach us, not just how to hear. Jesus on several occasions spoke about the kind of relationship that he had with the Holy Spirit and that he had with his father. And, uh, and one of these passages that he speaks about, uh, he's talking to Philip. And Philip's just asked him the question and said, uh, Jesus, show us the Father. And, uh, and Jesus replies to him in, in John 14, verses 8 to 11. He says, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But it is the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, or else believe on accounts of the works themselves. So we see as Jesus is describing the sort of the kind of relationship that he has with the Father and with the Holy Spirit, you can see 
He's trying to, to see, say that the Father is in me and I am in the Spirit. I am in the Father. And as the Spirit proceeds from the Father, he's working through me and doing these works of the Spirit. And those works themselves point back to the fact that I come from the Father and I belong to the Father. So you can see this, this weaving in and out of this relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there are many other places throughout Scripture where Jesus talks about this kind of interpenetrating life between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's a dance that's going on. There's a dance between the Father and the dance between the Son and the Holy Spirit. The disciples, oftentimes, as they looked at Jesus and, and saw how did Jesus keep in step with the Holy Spirit, and they were quite amazed and quite baffled sometimes as to some of the things that he said and the way he went about doing things because they, they were just different. They were just different. And the early church tried to find a way of explaining what, what is this relationship that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And they came across this word uh, which the early church... Uh, you know, found to describe this, and it's called perichoresis. And perichoresis was a Greek dance. Dance. It was a Greek dance that, the, uh, that in, in those days, it was a dance that wasn't between two people. There, there was a minimum of three, and quite often more than that. And what would happen in this perichoresis, this dance, is that they would get together, and they would all begin to dance in unison, so they would link arms and they would dance around and they would dance in a circle together. And as they did, they would begin to weave in and out of each other. So they would pass and do all sorts of things as they carried on dancing around together. And so they would weave in and out of each other. One would step aside and allow the other one to come through and so on and so forth. And they would dance around and around and around. And this dance would get faster and faster and faster until the point where the individual dancers themselves became became uh, caught up in the one big dance. There was just a blur of bodies as they begin to circle faster and faster. And you just sort of look at the whole of what's going on. And they said, that is what the Trinity is like. That explains how this interrelationship between the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son works. That they become working like one, but yet individually they're doing the movements. And they said, that's it. That's it. That's what it looks like. This dance of the Trinity is a dance of love. It's a love that gives way to one another that goes in and out through one another and, and you can't tell the difference whether it's one or is it the other. It's, it becomes a bit of a blur sometimes. And it's a bit of a blur to us sometimes. You know, is it the Father that's doing this? Is it the Son that's doing this? Is it the Holy Spirit that's doing this? You know, it's the Trinity. It's the Trinity. It's just the Godhead. This is how he works. This is how he is. The greatest thing about this dance is that you and I have been invited to join it. This is amazing. And this isn't just a dance that happens between God on some fluffy white cloud somewhere, far and far away. But he has invited you and I to join in the dance with him. Jesus is Lord of the dance and has invited us to join that in with him.
This relationship between the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the Father is the archetype of all social relationships. God is a social God. He exists in his own community of the Trinity. And what he does is he calls and invites us to become part of that very same community, a holy community. And we get asked to join that dance with him. So way we see the Holy Spirit working and with the Father and the Son becomes the very archetype of every social relationship that he purposed and patterned and designed for us. It's supposed to be the way that we interact with him. It's the way that he interacts with us. It's also supposed to be the way that we interact with one another. Because when you actually have a look at the end goal of what God is trying to do, he wants to spend eternal community in a perichoretic dance with us forever. And that's what he's training each of us to do. He's teaching us how to dance, how to dance with him. In speaking of the day of Pentecost, the disciples obviously were going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus begins to prepare them for this. In John 14, 20, he says, In that day where they receive the Holy Spirit, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. You see, it's the same dance. It's the same dance. It's weaving in and out of each other to where it becomes indistinguishable to those on the outside when it is us moving, when it's the Lord's moving because we're following the lead of the Holy Spirit. And it's out of that that our gospel witness and the moving of the Holy Spirit flows out from. It flows out from this dance that we have with Holy Spirit. See, when we're saved, the moment we're saved, we receive the Holy Spirit, don't we? We receive the Spirit of Sonship. As soon as we receive the Holy Spirit, the first thing he does is teach us how to dance. Teaches us how to dance. Now, this might seem a bit obvious to some people. It is obvious. But God is at work all the time. God doesn't have days off. He hasn't had a day off since creation. He's been working all the way until now, as Jesus said. And God loves the lost more than you do. God loves you more than you do. God loves this church more than we love the church. Jesus is more interested in your transformation than you are. More interested in you being transformed into his image than we are. And God is at work all the time. All the time. God is at work in our city already, right now. Doing things. Doing things amongst the churches. Doing things out in the businesses. Doing things all the time. God is always on the move. Always working. Always drawing people in. Because he's got this huge dance that he wants. And he wants the stage filled. He's always on the move. And what he's asking us to do is that if we can see him move, then we can participate in what he's doing. That's what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. It means that we see what God is already doing. 
and we get involved. We follow the lead of the Spirit. We keep in step with the Holy Spirit, which means he's gone before. He's already doing it. He's already out there working miracles. If we could only see what he was purposing to do and join in, those miracles we'd find would probably start coming through our hands. He's already out there. He's already working. Let's look at an example. Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus, says seven times in the book of Revelation, seven times, whenever something gets repeated in Scripture twice, you know that you need to pay attention. Three times, this is really important. Well, this is seven times. Seven times Jesus says this. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. See, if only we would have the eyes to see and the ears to hear what God is already doing, then we would be able to have the courage to say, let me follow, let me do it, let me get involved. If I hear what you're saying, then let me say it. Let me be the one. Jesus, lead me, lead me. Jesus, talking to the religious Jews, he was always following the lead of the Holy Spirit and it always got him into trouble mostly with the religious Jews. The rest of, the, the, rest of the, the people actually loved it when Jesus, you know, moved in the spirit. They loved it, but it was the religious ones because they had their own other thing going on, right? They had their own agenda. They weren't in step with the Holy Spirit. They were dancing to their own tune. This Jesus offended. In John 5, verse 19 to 20, Jesus says to the religious Jews, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. Jesus saw what God was doing. And he didn't do anything until he saw the Father do it. How did that happen? Through the Spirit. Jesus was always in step with what the Holy Spirit was doing. And what does he say? I'm going to show you even greater things than this so that you may marvel. I believe that in this day, the Holy Spirit wants to raise up a church that is so in step with him, that Jesus is going to show the world such an incredible, spectacular dance that they're going to marvel again. That they're going to see signs, wonders, and miracles again because his church is keeping step with the Spirit. Because we see, we have eyes to see, we have ears to hear what the Spirit is doing, and we get involved. Because God wants the world to marvel, marvel at his Son. As we keep in step with him, that's what he's called us to do. So if we're called to keep in step with the Spirit, we ought to be careful about dancing solo. Because <laughs> we're not called to dance solo. But it is a trap. You know, as we, as we learn the dance, as we begin to sort of get a few years under our belt of being a Christian and we begin to learn a little thing or two, we begin to learn the moves, don't we? We begin to learn how to do some stuff and we get confident in the way that we do things. And uh, what happens is we get caught up quite often 
in having these great ideas about what we're going to do for Jesus. All right? I've got some great ideas about what we're going to do for Jesus when we go to Canada. But I've got to be really careful that those become God's ideas, not my ideas. Because if they're my ideas, then I'm getting out of step with the Holy Spirit. And I need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. We need to make sure that we only move when he moves. And it's a trap, really, that leaders fall into most often than not. More than anybody else, leaders need to learn how to be in step with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because leaders are capable and gifted people. Capable and gifted, and they know how to get things done. And when you know how to get things done and you know how things work, it's sometimes... It creeps up on you. There's a subtle shift that begins to take, take hold in, in the mind and that we begin to think because we know how to do this and we've got a bit of ability that it is me that makes the moves. It's me that begins to do the leading and we're asking God to hurry up and, and catch up with what we're doing and where we're going. And we ask God to follow our dance instead of remembering that it is us that needs to follow his dance and his lead. See, unless we're careful as leaders, we can over-rely on our ability rather than paying attention to the dance. So leaders need to be humble. We need to have a humble and submissive heart because you need to be sensitive to how God is leading. If, if, it's, if, if you're just one of these people that's, you know, let's just get it done, all right, and you become insensitive, then you haven't got a humble heart. Because you're not leading, waiting for him, for his timing, for his input, and looking out and feeling, sensing the subtleties of what he's saying and where he is leading you in this. And what happens is we become like brumbies. We become like wild horses, unbridled, powerful, spirited, ready to get out there and just, just, let's just get it done. It's not until a brumby is broken that it can accept the bridle, accept the bit and the bridle. But once it does, it becomes a very powerful tool in the hands of the rider. And the rider is able to guide that power, that raw, unbridled spirit that's within that animal and take it where it needs to go. And it becomes a very effective tool. And this is how we are in the Lord. And there are people like that. There are, there are those who are just like, you know, uh, you know horses, in the trap, waiting for the gate to go up, pouring the ground, you know, just waiting, get, let's get going, let's get going. You know, sparks are coming out the hooves, you know. As soon as that trap goes up, off they go. Peter, the Apostle Peter, was one of those, one of those leaders who was a just, let's just get it done kind of guy. You know, he was the one that took the sword and lopped the, uh, the ear off, you know, when, when he thought, isn't it rebellions here, let's get out, let's do it. You know, Peter was always the one, in all the Gospels, Peter was always the one who was the first, first out the trap, first, let's get it let's get going. He didn't always get it right. Sometimes he got it terribly, terribly wrong because of his zeal and his passion for God. But he wasn't yet bridled. He hadn't learned to dance yet. Love God, that's not in doubt. Capable, that's not in doubt. But not yet bridled. 
And, uh, you know, we see Peter being brought to this place of brokenness in the New Testament where he denies Jesus three times. And it's on the shores after Jesus' resurrection. Peter's out fishing and he sees the Lord on the beach, doesn't he, with a fire going. And he goes again, jumps out the boat. You've got to love him. Jumps out the boat and he swims to Jesus and... And even, even in the midst of that extremely painful time, it was at that point, over that breakfast, that Peter accepted the bridle, accepted the bridle of the Holy Spirit in his life and became a man who went on and did some mighty, mighty works for God. Didn't always do them perfectly. There were a couple of times again he got out of step. But by and large, a bridled man and useful to the master. Then there are some others who accept any old bridle. Any old bridle at all. doesn't matter what it is. Yay, whatever. Bring it on. And they take on that bridle. They're passive. They don't actually make a distinction about what bridle it is that's being put on them. Is this the Holy Spirit asking me to do this? Or is this somebody else's agenda? Is this somebody else asking me to do something? And so they end up being those kind of people that end up being like a, like a doormat that people just use and wipe their feet on and carry on because you don't discern whether it's the Holy Spirit that's speaking. But you just accept anything. These are the kind of people they don't get things done. The only time they actually get moving is when they feel the spur in their flank. You know, that gets them going and, whoo, let's go. All right. We need to discern what is of the Lord and be bridled to that and not be led by others whose agendas might not be the same as the Holy Spirit. Leaders, pastors, business owners, directors, board members, counselors, teachers, principals, leaders, it's imperative that leaders learn how to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Because leaders are a fulcrum. For those of you who've done a bit of physics, you'll know what I mean. All right, a fulcrum. Let's just say that I wanted to go and pick up this, uh, this speaker over here. But it's too heavy for me. I can't lift it. What do I do? I go and get a lever. I get a long bar or I get a beam or something like that and I, and I stick it underneath there and I go and find a block or a pivot point, something that will act as a pivot, where, like a seesaw, and I'll stick it underneath that beam and then I'll get on the other end of it and I'll push it down. And what happens is that fulcrum multiplies my force, multiplies the effort that I put in and that then raises effortlessly if I got, if I got it right. Leaders... You are that fulcrum. Because what God has called you to do, you keep the weight of that beam on your shoulders. That is the responsibility that you've been called. In no matter whether you're a church leader, a business leader, no matter what you're doing, you're the one that carries the weight of that beam. And if you're in step with the Holy Spirit, and what Holy Spirit will do is he's the one that's on the other end who's actually creating the force and operating that thing, right? And, and that works. But what happens when you get out of step? Well, the Holy Spirit's not on the other end. 
you're going to have to lever that thing yourself. And that's where you get tired and weary and burnt out. But if you get it right and you keep in step with him, then what happens is it leverages the people, your staff, your resources, everything that you have gets leveraged and multiplied in effectiveness for the kingdom of God. Which is why, leaders, it's so important for you to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Don't dance a solo dance. Don't lead, run ahead of him. Don't get out of step with him. Have an ear to hear and eyes to see what God is already doing. In teaching us how to dance, the Holy Spirit needs to refine us. That refining, uh, there's a a, a biblical term called sanctification. And all it means is that we are set apart to do good works. But it's a twofold thing. First of all, we need to be separated from certain things. And then separated unto other things. So there are some things we need to leave behind. And there are other things that we need to go towards and do If in this refining process. It's the refining where the Holy Spirit teaches us how to dance. It's in the refining that we begin to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And we pick up on those small nuances. Moving in the Spirit is not about learning skills. It's not about learning how to do things cleverly. It's far, far more about cultivating a relationship. Cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And like any relationship, there are things that I can do that nurture the relationship and grow it. And there are things that I can do that harm the relationship. What are the things that the Holy Spirit's been saying to you that you need to do? Things that you need to begin to engage a bit more with with what he's doing in order to develop that relationship. Has it been calling you to read more of the word? Has it been calling you to worship? Has it been calling you to prayer? There's a whole raft of things that we could do. But what's the Holy Spirit asking you to do? When I spend quality time with Becky... I build my relationship with her. And our relationship becomes closer and becomes more intimate. And occasionally, very occasionally, I might do so I might do something that she doesn't like. Very, very occasionally. I might I might just say something that offends her or more often than not not do something that she would like me to do. You know, but those are the things that I keep very short accounts with. Don't I, Beck? Looking the other way. <laughs> I keep very short accounts with her on those things. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. You know, there are times where, you know, we just do stuff that, that offends and we know that. Well, that's when we just confess our sins. Keep short accounts. Keep the relationship going. Keep it going. Keep it alive. Keep it vibrant. But what happens if I do something or I have a habit or... I I just continually do something which offends her and I take no notice of her feelings or what she says about it. Then what I'm doing is I'm damaging my relationship with my wife. And the first casualty 
in any relationship that gets damaged is communication begins to break down and intimacy is lost. And if we have things that we allow in our life, which the Holy Spirit's been speaking to us about, that we need to be separated from, and we refuse to do that, we don't keep in step with what he's asking us to do, then we find that we don't hear him quite as well. And we begin to sense a distance between us and the Holy Spirit. That our relationship that we had just isn't quite what it used to be because he persisted in doing something which offends him. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 19, Paul says, Do not extinguish the Holy Spirit. Here he's using the language of a, of a fire. And extinguishing, the fire goes out. He says, don't extinguish the Holy Spirit. And the Amplified, it says, do not quench, subdue, or be unresponsive to the working and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Don't be unresponsive to what the Holy Spirit's doing. Don't get out of step with Him. Nobody wants to dance intimately with somebody that has bad B.O. and bad breath. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. That bad B.O. and bad breath when you're dancing really up close to somebody is enough to extinguish any flame. And spiritual B.O. is no different. There are some things which we allow in our life which, to be honest, it stinks. And we need to be aware of that. We have the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from those things. How do we quench the Holy Spirit? We quench the Holy Spirit in some of the things that we do, in some of the places that we go to, in some of the games that we play, some of the programs that we watch on TV, music we listen to, some of the relationships that we maintain. There's a number of ways that'll quench the Holy Spirit. In my own life, I've had many things which I've had to submit to the Lord and just hand over and say, okay, God, I'm just giving this one to you. And it might not be something that's intrinsically wrong. There's been a time where the Lord asked me to give up motorcycles. He said, well, what's wrong with that? Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But it was a problem for me. And so the Lord asked me to give that up so that I wouldn't have something which came between him and me. So that was removed and was taken out of my life. And we can't make hard and fast rules about what we allow and what we don't allow because each one of us is completely different. Each one of us has very, very different uh, makeup, the way we think. Things that we have, you know, leanings towards which may not be healthy are very different for each one of us. And so it becomes really important that we understand that we hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to me, not somebody else. And if I see somebody else doing something that the Lord's spoken to me about, I don't judge them. Because their walk is not my walk. Their dance is not my dance. The Holy Spirit dances very differently with me than the way he dances with somebody else. And maybe it's okay for them. If it's not, Holy Spirit will speak to them about it. I don't need to. I don't need to make rules about these things and enforce them on everybody. But each of us needs to learn what is the Holy Spirit saying to us? How is he teaching me how to dance? 
I've got three kids. Many of you have kids. So you'll understand that when you go and open up the, their bedroom door, sometimes it gets stuck because there's things on the floor stopping the door from being opened. And you kind of peer through the crack, you know, and you see the clothes and the toys and all sorts, whatever, sandwich boxes festering away and the stench that comes out of the room of mouldy socks that haven't been put in the drawer. You've all been there. You can't open that door because it's cluttered. The room is cluttered. And sometimes in, in our walk, it's an effort to get into the presence of God. It's an effort to force our way into his presence. If it's an effort to get into his presence, then maybe, maybe, just maybe, there's some stuff on the floor of your heart that needs to be cleared up. Because when there's nothing on the floor, the door opens real easy. Bill Johnson says, if the Holy Spirit was like a dove resting on your shoulder, how would you live your life? The answer is very carefully. Because if I make sudden movements or I do something to scare the dove, it's going to fly off. We need to be that aware of the Holy Spirit. We need to be that aware of his presence with us and to nurture that relationship that we have with him. Resistance to do the things that he leads us to do and resistance from separating ourselves from the things that he wants us to leave behind damages us and damages the relationship that we have with him. It dampens the spirit and it sticks cotton wool in our ears faster than anything else. Resistance to what he's doing and how he's leading you will cause you to go deaf and lose sensitivity to his spirit. We need to take that cotton wool out, tidy up that room, separate ourselves from some of those things that he's been asking us to, and maybe even start doing some of the things that he's been asking us to positively do. If we're going to keep in step with the Holy Spirit and learn to dance well, we need to do both. We need to do both. So I'm going to finish with this scripture from 2 Timothy 2 and verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, and ready for every good work. I'm going to ask the band to come up now. While they're coming up and they're just getting themselves ready, I want everybody to stand. What we're going to do is we're going to do, we're going to tidy our room. <laughs> we're going to do a little spiritual exercise just to just clear some of this stuff away. Very simple. So what I want you to do is I just want you to close your eyes right now. And I want you to go back to the place that Ross 
spoke about earlier on, a fireplace. As the Holy Spirit led him with this picture this morning, just in your mind, I want you to go back. I want you to imagine yourself sitting around that fire again. You've had your week. You've had your day. You've been trudging around and you're tired and weary. But now, right now, now is the time to sit down at the campfire and spend time in his presence. Jesus is here. So as you're sitting down there on your favourite camp chair, you can see the fire in front of you. You can feel the warmth of the fire. You can hear it crackling. Smell the smoke. And Jesus is just wandering around, just speaking words of encouragement and building you up and just telling you how much he loves you. And as he goes around, seeing each one, down in between your feet, he places an object. And I want you to reach down and I want you to pick that object up. I want you to take a look at it. What is it that the Holy Spirit's given you? Look at it, feel it. And I want you to ask Jesus... Jesus, what does this mean? What does this object mean to me? Now I want you to ask Jesus another question. But Jesus, is this something that you want me to throw into the fire? Is this something that you want me to separate myself from? Or is this something that you've given me that's something I need to do that's going to help me in my dance with you? Do you know what to do? If this is something you need to separate yourself from, then just right now, throw it in the fire. Throw it in the fire. Get rid of it. You don't need it. It's not helping you. It's hindering you. Is this something that he's asked you to do? And say, Jesus, will you give me the strength and the courage to do this thing that you're asking me to do? And as you're sitting there, I want you to look out. Jesus is looking right at you. And I want you to look right back. Jesus is beckoning you to your feet and saying, come here. He's inviting you to climb up onto his feet right now. And he's holding out his arms. I want you to go now. Take his hands. Climb onto his feet. Because he's going to teach you how to dance right now.
Jesus. Thank you for teaching me how to dance. Jesus, as I go forward into this new week, will you help me to become mindful of your presence with me all the time? Help me not to resist you, but lead me in the dance wherever I find myself. In Jesus' name. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.